up at verse 3. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Key point number two then this morning is this, that Satan uses the same old tricks to pull you away from God. He uses the same old tricks to pull you away from God. I want us to look at that, that passage that I just read, verses 3 through 7, because that's going to be very relevant for the culture in which we live today. That Satan is doing the same things today, and he's been using these same tactics in our culture, and he's been using it in, in this culture, the Babylonian culture, and Satan is using it, and he'll continue to use it uh, so long as the Lord tarries and until the Lord returns. But today we live in a post-Christian context with increasingly non-Christian worldviews all around us. There is constant pressure from all sides to, to force us into conformity. So we live in this modern Babylonian culture that demands that we think, that we feel, and we act according to their secular worldview. And if we adhere to a biblical worldview, then we're subject to criticism and cancel culture and attacks upon our character. So this passage, the passage that I just read, it sounds a lot like our secular universities. It's no secret, and we've talked about it for years, right? You know, when, when you head off to college, we're like, hey, be careful. There's some college professors out there that, you know, they're not very sympathetic to a biblical worldview. But I want you to notice and listen closely to the tactic that Satan uses because he's using the same tactic in ancient Babylon that he is still using even in universities today. L listen close. Because in verse 1, this uh, chapter 1, verse 3 rather, we see isolation right off the bat. The first step in conforming the Hebrew people into these Babylonians is to isolate them from their home and their family separate them from all that was familiar to them, and it makes them vulnerable and far more susceptible to new ideas. So the first thing that Satan wants to do is he wants to isolate you. He doesn't want you around other Christians. He doesn't want you around other believers. He doesn't want you around the familiar. He doesn't even want you around your family, especially if they're professing believers. And this is why so many college students 
should immediately find a local church and get plugged into a campus ministry uh, when, they, when they go off to college because they're, they find themselves in a situation where they're isolated and they're more susceptible. And if Satan can isolate you from other Christians, he then can conform you to his secular worldview. So right off the bat, verse 3, we see this idea of isolation. Move to get them away from others that are sympathetic to following the one true living God. The second one that we see is in verse 4 is an indoctrination. Not only are we going to isolate you, now we want to indoctrinate you. Look close, verse 4. Whom they might do what? Teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. That's exactly what they're going to do. So not only are, are, are they looking to separate these young men and move them away from their families, move them away from uh, others who might have a similar worldview, but now they're going to separate them and begin to teach them the language and literature of what it means to be a good Babylonian citizen. That's what they're after. So the second step in conforming you away from your Christian beliefs into a secular worldview is to convince them that your beliefs are inferior in some way. And King Nebuchadnezzar wants to make, make them Babylonians, and he wants to show them that the Babylonian way of life is better. He wants them to, show, he wants them to see that the gods in Babylon are better. He wants them to think that Babylon is superior. So what do we do with that? How do, what, how do, we, how do we think about that? for our own lives. Well, this is certainly why when we think about college students, that they should be well-grounded in their faith because they're, they're, they're young, they're going to be isolated, they're going to be uh, uh, pulled away and indoctrinated, so we have to be very careful and make sure that they're well-grounded. But the only way that they're well-grounded is if what? If we're well-grounded and can, can, can encourage them and teach them. So if Satan can convince you that the God of the Bible is inferior to anything then he succeeded. And then we see a third thing that, that they're doing to try to make them uh, these good Babylonians. Verse 5, and this one's immersion. Verse 5 is they had three years of training. Again, it sounds just a lot like our, our, uh, uh, you know, our colleges, right? Isolation, indoctrination, immersion into the culture. So converting followers of God into Babylonians required an immersion into the teaching and the culture over a period of three years. So we have to be cautious not to be enticed with all that's being offered. It's no wonder that, well, again, and I can't help but think of young people going off to college, it's no wonder that they're so susceptible because they've been isolated and because they're, they're begin, beginning to, to hear things in, and in such a way that they're saying, our God is better than your God. And now they're being immersed in that culture over the period of time. And many college students do what? They struggle with this newfound freedom, and they find themselves indulging at the king's table. They find themselves immersed in this culture, and they don't know what to do with it. And then finally, verse, uh, of these four things, uh, verses 6 and 7, tell us about identity. The chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. So in this whole culture of transitioning, helping someone transition from being a follower of the one true living God and making them into Babylonians is, is all about isolation. It's all about this immersion. It's all about indoctrination and then ultimately identity. Satan wants to change your identity. 
and especially if that identity reflects God and his purposes. So Satan has been working overtime. When we think about our culture, he has been working overtime and creating confusion, especially among young adults. But I want you to listen to this. Daniel, his, his name Daniel meant God, or Elohim is my judge. They gave him a new name, Belshazzar. Bel is my judge and my protector. It's just a subtle change, but they wanted him to have a new identity. They wanted him to identify as a Babylonian. Hananiah's name meant Yahweh, God is gracious. They gave him a new name, Shadrach, Marduk. Their God, Marduk, he is gracious. Mishael, his name meant who is like God. They gave him a new name, Meshach, who is like Marduk. Azariah meant servant of Yahweh or servant of the Lord. And they gave him a new name, Abednego, servant of Nebo. So here's, here's what we see all throughout this passage is that Satan doesn't care where you find your identity as long as it's not in Christ. Satan and our culture define identity this way. Who we experience ourselves to be. That's, that's the definition. When you, when you look it up, when you look up online, what is the definition? What is it that our culture has defined identity? It's who we experience ourselves to be. In other words, culture says that our identity is found within ourselves. But our true identity is not in how we see ourselves, but in how God sees us and how he has created us. I want you to listen to this passage because for someone who finds their identity in Christ, I want you to listen to Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to listen to all the different phrases that say in Christ or in him because ultimately he is the one in whom we find our identity. So listen close and listen specifically for those, those phrases, those little in Christ and in him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accept, accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. That in the predisposition of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ, 
should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, all of those, all of those little phrases, all of those little statements of in him, in Christ, in him, he is the one in whom we find our identity.